שיר ברוכים הבאים בשם השם, ברכנוכם בבייס השם. שיר טינאית זכוס יונה חיים בן שירי, רפואה שלמה. And we are honoring tonight my son's birthday. birthday. Although he's not uh, with us now because he went upstairs jet lag. Um, we have to welcome back our guests. The Shabbos Pashas Vo'eda. Not to be confused with Vayeda. Shabbos Shabbos Mivarchim Chedesh Shvat Shabbos that we bless the new month, the month of Shvat We know of course that Va'eda Vav Aleph is Gematria 7 therefore there are 7 Makkas in Pashat Va'eda Boy is Beis Aleph which is 3 and there are three remaining markets in Pasha's Bay. We'll, of course, discuss the Makis. Mishchedish Shvat, since next week's Shir, Mirat Shema Ba'aleinu Leteva, will be on Rishchedish, Wednesday and Thursday are Rishchedish. Actually, Thursday only. No, Wednesday and Thursday are Rishchidosh. Therefore, we'll talk about you next Wednesday night. We know about Rishchidosh Shvat itself, per se, the month of Shvat. The wonderful occasions of Shvat. Rishchidosh um, Shvat actually has a magnificent milestone to it. It's a beginning. From Reish Chedesh Shvat onwards until Shvois, every 15 days, every two weeks, there's a Yomtev. We have Reish Chedesh Shvat, we then have Tu Shvat, then have Reish Chedesh Adar. Then we'll have this year Rishchidosh Adar Aleph, we'll have Purim Cotton, we'll have Rishchidosh Adar Beis, then we'll have Purim itself, then the next two weeks Rishchidosh Nissen, and then we have Pesach, then you have Rishchidosh Ir, then we have Pesach Sheni, all the way until Shavuos, Rishchidosh Sivan, etc., How special, how holy, how much preparation is needed for the beginning to embark on such a special, special time of the year. The Makkas, as they were, were in the form of a battle was in the form of a war which the Almighty was staging against the Egyptians. We'll try to discuss, to touch on some of them, 
to show the severity of some of the makas. The Pasha itself begins by Yedabin Alekim. The Almighty speaks to Moshe and says, Vo'eda I appeared to the forefathers, to whom Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. But Rashi says, Vo'eda is El Ha'oves to the forefathers. Now the Ben Chomesh Lemikra, that five-year-old child, he sits and studies Chomesh, and he understands face value. Rashi is worried about this child. As we spoke many times, Rashi is the one that always gives the input to explain what the Pasuk, in case there would be a doubt, a little flag in the Pasuk, what it actually means, Rashi is the one that comes up with the explanation, so that the Ben Chamesh the Mikra can understand what's going on. Rashi then starts, Va'eda, who did I appear to? Ela'ovais to the forefathers. Which in essence implies that there's a question. But how could there be an actual question if the Pasuk continues, El Avram, El Yitzchak, El Yaakov? We know, of course, it was to the forefathers. For Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov were the forefathers. Also, we have to understand the actual dialogue that takes place here. But it tells us that Moshe answered God, and he said, My master, Hashem, my master, why did you do this terrible thing to the nation? Why are you sending me for? From the time that I came before Parai, says Moshe, it's not been improved. To speak in your name as you told me to, it only got worse. And I didn't know how to save them. And therefore the our parasha starts by Moshe. The Almighty speaks to Moshe and he says to Mani, Havaya, I am the Abishna, I am God. And although Vedal Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, I appeared to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, Bekel Shakai, Ushmi Havaya, Lenedaiti Lahem. We're going to go off to a little bit of a Kabbalistic tangent for a moment. There are 72 names of God. You're going to have to hold the phone because it just looks ridiculous. Everybody's got one in their hands. How can that be with the phone? <laughs> I tried to convince them too, it didn't work. Okay, I don't mind if you sleep. Seventy-two names of God. Amongst the 72 names of God, these are called the Shev, the 
72 names that may not be erased. Kale is one, Shakai is another. We know Shakai from the mezuzahs, the Shin, the Dalit, and the Yud, which are on the outside of a mezuzah. Kale is another one of the very commonplace names. Kale, Rachum, Vechanon, Aleph, Lamid. In the base HaMerchatz, the Halacha tells us, the, te- the Shechonarach tells us, that in the bathhouse one may not mention God's name. And therefore amongst those names would be even Shalom. And when someone asks somebody, I don't know why such conversations even take place, when someone would ask somebody how they are in the mikveh, and they answer, thank God. That is not allowed to be said. Baruch Hashem would also not be acceptable. Another of the monks, the, the very commonplace names, Baruch Atah Hashem, Eleikeinu. Therefore we have Hashem, which is written, Yudke Vavke, and Eleikeinu of the word, derived from the word Eleikim, from the name of Elekim, Elekinu being our God, Elekim Shalonu. The names of God, Hashem, Hashem, Kelrachum, Vechanun, Erech, Apayim, Rav Chesed, Vemes, the 13 attributes of God, are also transcri- transcribed within the names. And therefore the names that are represented in attributes that we know of, that are commonplace, is Hashem, Yudke Vavke, which is the attribute of Chesed, and Elikim, which is the attribute of Din. The Almighty is telling Moshe, because Moshe asks a very simple question. You want me to go talk to the Jewish nation and to tell them a message from you? As they say in America, whom shall I say is calling? Who do I tell them? And Moshe and the Almighty answers, Eya, Sheeya, last week's Parsha. We spoke about this at length last week. What the Almighty's message is, I am actually, the Moshe's question, I'm sorry, was to the Almighty, I don't understand what you want me to tell them. That God wants to take you out and God is feeling terrible and God is in pain with you. How do you want them to believe that? How do you want them to accept that? How do you want them to feel or to hear that? They're suffering here. And they want to know God as a father in heaven, a father to our, we are the children of God. Why are you putting us through this? Why are you subjecting us to this? To which God answers, that I am Eyeh, 
the name of Eya. And now in this week's parsha, the Almighty tells Moshe Rabbeinu another stage, another step, that although I appeared to Abraham, to Yitzchak, and to Yaakov, to the forefathers, I did so by Kael Shakai, with Kael and with Shakai of the names. But Ushmi Havaya, my name, Yudke Vovke, I did not let them know. And the Medrash tells us that this was the conversation, the dialogue of question and answer that went between the Almighty and Avram and Moshe Rabbeinu. The Almighty said to Moshe, Chaval al de'avdin v'lemishtakin, Chaval, it's a shame on all that has gone by. Many times I revealed myself Al Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov in the name of, Shme, of Kel Shakai But I did not tell them the name of Yudke Vovke like I'm telling you. And they did not go after my attributes. And then the Almighty cites different times and different things. Go take a stroll to the land, the width and the length of the land, and thereby conquering the entire land. But yet, But when it came to burying Sarah, which was within the boundaries of that land, he could not manage to do so without buying it. He didn't go after my middays when I mentioned what I told him. And then the Almighty cites, Amarti the Yitzchak, Live in this land, for I'm giving it to you and to your children. But then, They were looking for water and they could not find. The shepherds of Gror and the shepherds of Yitzchak battled, dis- disputed, and again until the water was able to be derived, was able to be used. For later here, Rachel they say did not go according to what I asked him. Amarti li Yaakov, I said again to Yaakov, Oretz Asherata Sheikhiv Alev, the land you are lying that you are lying on is also going to be yours. But when also till he could not pitch tent until he went and paid the hundred kasita, But you know something says the Almighty to Mashmi, and they never asked me my name, like you're asking me. Viato and you tchitachlis shlichusai amartili. I told you told me exactly what your message is, and you asked me mashmi. And the end, I said to you, umeoz bosi alpare, 
And from then, because I answered you and because I gave you the name of Havaya, then you arrived and came before Parai. What a powerful dialogue that goes on between them. What does the Almighty actually want from the Meisha Rabbeinu? How will the command will the Makis, the plagues, translate into the words of the Almighty, into the way that the Almighty wants Meisha to conquer Egypt. Let us understand, before we go into the exact explanation, the difference of Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and Moshe Rabbeinu. Let us understand the tzaddik. We tend to go to tzaddikim. We tend to ask for a blessing from a tzaddik. We tend to seek advice from a tzaddik. What does that tzaddik have, or does the tzaddik actually have? And what makes the tzaddik in a higher level than we are? I told once the story of the Mittler Rebbe, once the second Chabad Rebbe, once was visiting one of the Chassidim of the Rebbe, of his father, the Alter Rebbe. And he said, Who are you? What do you understand already? What do you know? He berated him terribly. And the fellow was actually a very learned chassid. And the chassid was devastated. And he turned to the Mittler Rebbe, to the Rebbe's son, and he said to him, You have the audacity to talk to me that way. You were, raised, you were born to a holy, holy tzaddik. I'm sure from the moment you were conceived, you had the most holiest of soul. Your father must have brought you down from the loftiest of places. And your education, your upbringing was in the home of the Rebbe, and you lived a Rebbe life. And all your What do I have? I was born the simple folk, raised by simple folk. I work a job selling wheat and grain, Okay, one Atlanta resident is in Florida. Good for him. He'll go to Shear.us and pick it up after this year. So he's just reminding me I better put it on early. What do I have? I have to go collect my money afterwards from all the farmers. I go with a bottle of vodka in the middle of the night because they all get up. The farmers wake up very early. And I got to go to them, catch them before they go out to the fields. I got to sit down with them. The first thing they, before they discuss, they got to have a cup of vodka. They have the cup of, the cup of vodka. They won't drink alone. I got to drink with them. And then they're the lady on the side of it has to have also if I don't give her she can ruin it for me so I gotta make sure she gets a cup too and then we sit and we drink and we cheer and we have that and then finally I get paid and I gotta do that for a few hours until I can finally go to Daven until I can finally start my day what kind of, of course my day is not 
up to par. And the truth was, this chassid was up to par. And he did daven the way a chassid should daven, and he did act and behave the way a chassid should behave. But, if the Rebbe's son berated him that way, he did so. He accepted it. <coughs> After all said and done, the Rebbe's son was very, very shocked. This man really gave him between the eyes, and he told him the truth. He gave him what was really. This guy is simple, and he was brought up simply, and and, and yet he's a man of stature, relatively. And I have no right really to berate him or to put him down. So obviously, he was not very, very proud of himself. So much so that when, when he went back to his father, to the Rebbe, he told his father the story. He told his father how he really feels remorseful and terrible that he did this and he said this, he spoke this way to the guy. Months later, this chassid happened by the Rebbe. He came to the Rebbe for Yechidus, for a blessing. And the Rebbe said to him, thank you very much. He said, why? He said, you made my son better, chassid. You taught the Rebbe, the Rebbe's son, he says, you taught my son how to be a real chassid. But I chassid, about 40 years ago, a chassid was coming from Israel for Yom Kippur and Sukkot to be by the Rebbe. Some come for the whole month, some come for the middle of the month, some only for Sukkot, some only for Sukkot. He was coming from Yom Kippur to left the Sukkot. He had a whole preparations. The day of his flight, he gets a phone call from the Rebbe's secretariat he wrote a letter a few weeks before about his daughter problem with his daughter he needed a blessing and the secretariat is calling him to tell him the Rebbe said check your film now it was ironic because from when he wrote the letter until now a few weeks later he bought a new pair of film and he bought a uber pair super super special paid through his nose as we say in America and such a strange thing that I should ask this question well he decided to borrow a pair of film from somebody else in the meantime he flew to America and he came to Brooklyn he brought the film to somebody to check A short while later, the safer calls him up and tells him, I hate to tell you this, but your films are totally unfit. They're a puzzle. I said, how can you say such a thing? How can you even dream such a thing? This a Cadillac of Twillin. This is the most expensive. I bought this beautiful... He says, your Twillin are a puzzle. They're missing a word. Not a letter is cracked. Not the parchment isn't perfect. There's a missing word. Children become totally puzzled. He was shocked. Well, it's Ervin Kippur now. And he wanted to come to the Rebbe. The Rebbe, Ervin Kippur, used to give out honey cake, lekach. And the Rebbe would give it, everybody, each person would get in their hand. The Rebbe would say, Shana Teva Masuka. Should be a sweet year, a good year. Imagine hundreds, thousands of people going by. And Ervin Kippur, the Rebbe has to fast that night. But the Rebbe would stand there and give out to each and every person. 
he's here from Israel, especially to be by the Rebbe. So obviously he got on the line. It's, like I said, hundreds and hundreds of people standing there. Thousands. And all of a sudden, it's his turn, he's standing in front of the Rebbe. And the Rebbe barely, nary looked at the person. The Rebbe would pick his hand up, just look, take and look up at you for a second. Say, Shanatayv Masuka, and go to the next piece of cake and to the next person. Because the line had to move. Nobody ever talked, except for my father, um, to the Rebbe, not because he had a special, special mission from a, a very special holy man that asked him to mention his name when he goes to get Lekach. But he forgot the name. So he just said the title. It was the Blue Rebbe. The Rebbe looked at my father and said, Yisrael ben Sepeda, the Rebbe told my father the name. And the Rebbe stopped everything and gave my father a few pieces of honey cake for the Rebbe, for the Blue Anyway, this fellow gets in front of the Rebbe. The Rebbe gives him the honey cake, says, Shana Tevim And the Rebbe says that don't waste time, go straight back and have your film fixed. Here he was planning on staying for Sukkot. The Rebbe burst his bubble. He realized he's got to get back right after Yom Kippur. So he changed his ticket. And right after Yom Kippur, he was back in Israel. The day before Sukkot, he's going to the Mikveh, Me'eshadim. And who does he see there? The Sefer. Sefer that wrote this fantastic film for him. And he says, Oh, Ashkach Pratas, I'm meeting you. Divine Providence. Tzvim Apostle. So the guy looks at him and says to him, I only have to ask you one question, mister. Did this have anything to do with the Lubavitcher Rebbe? And the fellow says, yeah. The Rebbe told me to check them. He says, I don't know what he wants from me. He says, what? He says, you're probably the 15th person that I sold Twilin to. And the Rebbe said, check the Twilin, Twilin Apostle. And I take the Twilin after I write them and I give them to six, seven different people to check I'm so careful, so immaculate with my writing and everything, and the Rebbe does this every time. I don't know what he wants from me. Well, needless to say, the Chassid <laughs> knew that the Rebbe wanted something more than this. This is not a simple story. He says, What did you have with the Rebbe? He says, Nothing. I never saw him, I never met him, I had nothing to do with him. He says that it's not possible. Something had to happen here. The Rebbe doesn't just make somebody's film puzzle. Finally, he says, many years ago, in one magazine over there in Meir this fellow wrote an article about the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. That the talk was that the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe was the Nosi Israel, was the king of Jews, of all Jews, and he didn't particularly agree with it. So he wrote an uncomplimentary article about the previous Rebbe. And apparently the Rebbe did not take a liking to his writing. And the Rebbe said when he saw the article, this fellow's tefillin are puzzled. 
So I went, the, the word got back to me, so I went and I took my tefillin, I had them checked. And they were fine. So I said, you see, he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> but since then, he says, at least 15 pairs of tefillin that I wrote to Rebbe said Apostle. So the chassid asked the sefer, he says, out of curiosity, the tefillin that you have, that you had checked, they were not puzzled. Did you write them? He says, no. They're inheritance from my father. They're <laughs> no. They're my father's tefillin. Ha. So it's not tefillin that you wrote. He says, no. So the Chassid says, the Rebbe was not wrong. When the Rebbe said, your tefillin apostle, the Rebbe wasn't referring to the ones you were wearing. Those were not yours. Those were your father's. The Rebbe was referring to the tefillin that you write. And those are Taka Apostle. And that was, in essence, really what, what, what the situation was. That the tefillin that this per- person writes were all Apostle because he wrote this uncomplimentary article about the previous Rebbe. And the Rebbe was on top of this all the time and made sure that everybody knew that this, film, this person's film was a puzzle. This is... Uh, this is how a tzaddik actually works. A tzaddik is not someone that goes and looks for vengeance or goes to hurt or to looks to hurt anybody, God forbid. But a tzaddik is a person that knows in the generation who needs what and how much they need of it. And so when Moshe Rabbeinu, the tzaddik of his generation, is told by the Almighty to go and to redeem the Jews, Vo'eda, I showed myself to your forefathers, but the service of the forefathers were mainly in the world of midas, attributes, actions. Whereas Meisha Rabbeinu was more involved in meichin, in mind. God is not hiding anything. He's not trying to fool Moshe. By telling him this conversation that he had with the forefathers, but rather the dialogue is to teach Moshe and to show Moshe his service. The difference, as we said now, of the forefathers who heard the name Kel Shakai, and Moshe, who heard the name Havaya Yudke Vovke,
is a contradiction within each other. Firstly, it looks like, from one side, that he's only showing Moshe the true, his true side. Only Moshe is he showing the completeness of godliness. Whereas when it comes to the forefathers, he only showed them, he only showed them the side, a side revelation. Or rather, from the other side we say, that the level of the forefathers is even higher than that of Moshe. To delve into this, we need to delve into the differences of service, how we serve God. If we serve God with our mind, if we serve God with our heart. When one serves God with his mind, he devotes and gives everything that he has within himself totally to godliness, to the study of Tera, to the knowledge, to the understanding, etc., and one who serves through attributes devotes it all through actual actions, through mices. Each has its plus, each has its minus. We'll maybe come back to this. The midas of the forefathers, as we said, Avraham Haisab midas Ahavo. Avraham served God through love. Bosik tells us, Avram Oihavai, Avram was my beloved. Yitzchak through Yira, through fear. The Bosik tells us, Pachad Yitzchak, the fear of Yitzchak. And Yaakov was through Rachamim and Tiferes. A middle, a blend. We find, as we spoke, the mile of this and the mile of that. The greatness of one and the greatness of the other. Love, Ava, is the root of the 248 mitzvahs, the positive commandments. Fear is the root of the 365 negative commandments. Someone that loves God, wants to ta- attach himself to God through doing mitzvahs. And one who fears God, fears doing any kind of sins, God forbid. As al Rebbe explains in the fourth period of Tanya. And therefore we understand now what Rashi is saying, that I appeared to the forefathers. That although... Although I was appearing the greatness of the service of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov through their love and fear of God, this was not the main point. They were called, the fact that they were called Avais, their feelings, the fact that they brought about and they gave birth to the generations thereafter, as the birth of, the, of a tzaddik 
is their maizim tevim, their mitzvahs. Let us turn our focus now a little bit to the actual plagues, to the makis. You want to come on Skype? No, I'm putting on speaker. Okay. The Chazal tell us, Each and every generation, a person must, see, person must see to it as if he himself leaves Egypt. The Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya, In the 47th Pedic, in Pedic Mem Zayin, there are 53 Perakim. What does it mean a person has to feel they are going out of Egypt? This is the Yitzhiyah's Nefesh Alekis, Mimasar Aguf, The actual physical taking the Nefesh Alekis, the Holy Soul, out of the physical mundane world, and attaching to godliness itself. How? Through the Teda and Mitzvahs in general. In other words, leaving Egypt, leaving the concept of Mitzrayim, begins with the ten plagues. And the same also when it comes to our service to God. We need to remove ourselves through these ten plagues, starting with blood, Makas Dam, and then Makas Svardeya, etc. Let us analyze now. Makas Dam, the plague of blood. The river was turned to blood. The service of a person the nature of water is cold, wet, damp, which refers also to one that is cold to the service of God. However, blood represents heat, warmth. Blood flows. Taking you off, speaker. Blood flows. And therefore, blood remains warm. And you know a person is alive still when you feel they're warm. Once they're dead, they get cold. The chickens sometimes still warm them. This is the work, the service that a person has when it comes to makizdam. To end, to put in within himself a way of warmth within his his coldness. It is the first step the first plague that a person brings upon himself, that cold can also bring afterwards to opposite of spirituality, opposite of holiness. And therefore a person cannot allow themselves to fall into a level of this cold, frigid attitude. So now that we're warmed up with dumb, we're flowing, the blood is flowing, we go on to Tzvardeya, to the frog. The concept of the Tzvardeya is to go into 
It's an amphibian. It, fo- it has to live in water. It lives in physical, mundane cold. Damp. But where did it go? It didn't go into the damp only. It went into the houses. It went into the ovens. It went in everywhere. To take again the entire coldness and to eradicate it. So that we are now warmed up by mitzvahs. This is how one starts to pull themselves out of their own personal mitzrayim, their own personal boundaries, which they are limitations to Tata. And we see the continuation as it goes on, the Makkahs. There was Borod. And within this hailstone, there was fire. Immediately Rashi tells us, Neis b'teich neis. Ha'esh v'habarad mu'ravin. A miracle within a miracle, the fire and this hail were together. I don't know, but if you take a match, in normal circumstance, and there's no major wind blowing, and you light your match, it's going to burn. Fire burns. You light a match, it's going to burn. I can't talk into that. No. So if fire burns, is that a miracle? What's the miracle of fire burning? Well, this. Well, this. So the fact, and you take a hailstone, and it's cold the weather, and it's raining and it's cold, you get hail. You get ice, you get snow. Also, not a miracle. The fact that the two were together was a miracle. Because they can't coexist. Freezing ice and fire. But what's Nes B'Teich Nes? What's the second miracle? Chassidus explains it as follows. Pari and the Egyptians were very haughty. They were very big Balgaiva. They were very proud people. Like we see in the Haftarah of this week's parasha, it says, Asher Amali told me, the eye, the way of a person that's a Balgaiva, that's haughty, he thinks about himself only. When it comes to the other person, eh, He's cold. There's no feeling for the others. We would think perhaps that why is he cold to other people? Because his inner nature is to be cold to everybody. But it's not true. The cold is a result from the warmth. The warmth, the love that he has for himself is so great that he suppresses it 
and doesn't allow it to be reflected to anyone else. And therefore, when he talks to somebody else, he's cold. This is what happened by this maka of Barod. It was a midah kineged midah. It was one attribute against the other. Where the Almighty says, The Almighty says, Whoops. Where the Almighty takes the Egyptian and punishes the Egyptian in such a way that your haughtiness, your gaiva, I am totally wiping out and eradicating with the barod, with the hail. And the fire, although the fire should consume the cold, should consume the ice, it doesn't. That we, I'm melding the two of you together, the heat and the cold. And therefore you do not have any real power in essence. <coughs> Let us move on. The end of the Pasha. Pari had a bunch of Khartoumim. There's a whole, I had actually a question from one of the students in the Yeshiva of Flatbush this week. He had to know what is the levels in his homework. He had to know how the levels work as far as how did the levels work as far as the people in Egypt? Who was higher than who? Who was lower than who? Of course it starts off with the paro then there was the visors and the high priests and the nobles. Then you had the priests, engineers and doctors. And then the scribes and the craftsmen. The slaves, the farmers. Each to its own level, to its lower level, that it came lower and lower. Every so often I have to do homework for Yeshiva Flatbush homework. You know, so <laughs> going back to school times. Um... Well, the Egyptians, in essence, had Khartoumim. Pare had Khartoumim. These magicians didn't blink an eye when Moshe turned water to blood. They didn't blink an eye when the frogs came running. They tried to duplicate everything. They were a little bit, when the water, the water and the blood was nothing, the stick to, the, to a snake was nothing to them. The frogs, the only problem they had with the frogs was that they were not staying within their nature. Like we just said, they didn't stay only in the cold and damp. They even jumped into the ovens. This baffled them a little bit. This had them a little bit wondering. The Borod, obviously, a miracle in its own right. But they also tried to protest and try to match. Came to Makas Shin. The boils. The Pasik tells us, They couldn't stand in front of Meish anymore because of the Shechin. This, as we say in America, blew their minds. 
What did it have to do with Lifnei Moshe? Why are they still not believing in God? And what did Dafke Shkin have to do with this? Why Dafke this Maka? And there's several different ways of answering this. Let's find first what happened with Makashkin. What was Makashkin different than all the other Makas? Manishtana. The water was turned to blood. He touched the water. Vayalo Atzvardim and were told to rise up. It came to Makashkin, something different had to happen here. Here, Moshe and Aaron were told to physically do something to make this happen. First of all, they went to Piyach, they took Piyach Kivshin, took um, ashes, and not a little bit of ashes and just flicked it with a finger, and not cold ashes, they had to be still hot. And they had to take a full handful. Not one handful, each one had to take two handfuls. Moshe and Aaron had to take handfuls. Then Moshe had to throw this as if he was trying to reach the other end of Egypt. Watching this, it looked like he was actually physically doing this. He actually physically projected this makkah. But on the other hand, <laughs> they knew very well <coughs> that's not what caused all this all over the place once you threw it it was no longer hot but yet it, when it got to the people it was burning them also of course no matter how strong Mesh and Aaron were no matter how big their hands were, they couldn't take enough to reach the entire Egypt by throwing this. So again, we, remem- we remain buff- befuddled, baffled by this whole action. And that's why the Khatu and Mitzrayim could not understand this. But not only couldn't understand it, they couldn't even stand in front of Mesha. Because they couldn't find hands and feet. They were totally confused. They didn't understand what happened here. What hit them? They understood the Almighty did things. They understood all the other markets was done by, by God. And they almost accepted it. But this, to watch this actual physical action happen, and nothing explains how it actually happened, this they could not deal with. This they cannot stand in front of Mesha. But yet, the bottom line, Vani Aksha is slave Pari. I'm going to harden the heart of Pari. Understanding Previous year, when we speak about Pasha Vaeda, about the actual Makis, we try to live it or relive it through. We relive the uh, extra large frog coming out of the Nilas, and every time they hit it, frogs f- came flying out of its mouth. 
Frogs were everywhere. The Baal Shem Tov was followed or the mantle of the Baal Shem Tov was taken over by his Chosid, his Talmud, the Maggid of Mazrich. The Mazrich Maggid had a few students and when he passed away the Chavraya Kaddisha was sitting together. The students were called Chavraya Kaddisha, the Holy Brotherhood. One of the Brotherhood was the Al Terebe of Shinzalman Aliyadi. And he asked a question to the Brotherhood Do you remember that the Magid, every morning by dawn, used to go for a walk near the lakes where the frogs sit and croak. He said, yeah. They may know why. Nobody answered. They didn't understand why either. Let me tell you what the Rebbe wanted. In Patek Shira, which discusses the songs that are sung to God, it's written that every particle of creation sings to God. It doesn't matter if it's animate or inanimate. From the loftiest to the whole to the most humble, every creature sings to God. And the frogs have their song. And the Rebbe would go to hear the song of the frogs how they are davening in the morning before he would start davening. Now I'm not the Mizitcha Magid or anything anywhere near that. But we have Baruch Hashem, we're blessed on our block right outside our house is a tree. Now unfortunately in the winter time it's bare and barely any birds around. Comes summertime, springtime the tree is full and the birds migrate there you literally can come outside and say you hear shachas you hear the birds it's amazing it's most fascinating obviously I can't, don't, can't answer to it but you can hear the birds are the way they're so involved and the chirping is so lively and everything it's, it's, it can only be davening but yet here we have the Jews are praying, the Jews are crying out. Moshe is praying, and the Makkas are being meted. Bani Akshas, they pare and pare, his heart is hardened. And the Almighty says, Tavli she is It's worth it for me to harden his heart, to add my miracles, to add my signs, let it be recognizable, my greatness. And this is also the ways, the attributes of God to bring punishment on the world, on the non-Jewish nations, so that the Jews should hear and see how great He is. What? If the non-Jews are doing something wrong and deserve to be punished, that's good enough for the Jews. It's a good enough reason. People are being punished. Stein were destroyed because they were acting wrong. 
So what is this middle of Akarish Baruch? What's this attribute? That he brings punishment, he mets punishment on the non Jews. Not because they did something wrong, but so the Jews should see and hear. Let us first understand what the Chazal tell us. The world was created for the Jews and for the Tata. And just like the main creation of the world was for the Jews and for Tata, so too everything that happens in the world is for the Jews and for the Tata. And it reaches, it accomplishes everything because of the way we act and learn Tata. And also, even every time we see that there's a different happening, a different occasion, the true reason for whatever is going on around us is something that has to happen for the Jews. And so also is the punishment to the non-Jews. In order to hear, and to show to hear, the Jews should hear and see how they have to behave. That although on the outside the punishment is because the non-Jew deserves it, what does it have to do with the Jew that the non-Jew is sinning and the Almighty is punishing him? But the truth is that this is exactly what the Jew needs to see. We need to see the true punishments that are meted out on the non-Jews so we should learn, we should hear we should know how to behave. And therefore, as we go now, we go to bench the new month of Shabbos Mubarakim Chedesh Shvat. We therefore have to see and take lesson and take heed for the way we have to behave so that the Almighty gives us only reward and we take care of our soul by the controlling it and taking it out of the mitzarim and the gvulim, the boundaries, starting with the makis, with giving the, all the makis to the soul, to the yitzhara, and to the body, and physically freeing up our soul so that our soul has the time for teira and for learning and for mitzvahs, and thereby being blessed with bona chaya umezena ravicha vekul ravicha. And the main thing that we'll see when Yom Shekulei Shabbos and Menucha, which is only in the time of Bias Melech HaMashiach, when Mashiach will redeem us, will reveal himself to us tonight, and we will go out of Golos, and we will all be able to see how the goodness and kindness of God is reflected for us and upon us in true stead, and in true form and fashion. Shabbat Shalom to all.